And welcome in to another episode of the NFL Show on the Tell Me More Podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, here again with Bobby G. How's it going, Bobby? You know, it's going good. I'm going to hijack the show for a little bit because right. I purposely didn't put a question on. It's the most important question about L.A. The fans want it. It's been building up for the whole season. So, Mac, I have to ask you right now. Okay. Are there Chargers for real? <laughs> uh, I was just watching the NFL Live on ESPN, and they were doing like, here's the six AFC playoff teams, who's still here next year, and who's out of the playoffs. And it's so hard to like figure it out because it's like, I want to believe my Chiefs are going to you know have Patrick Mahomes. They can't be worse on defense than they were this year. So they should be the favorites to win the AFC West. But will the Chargers be right there with them? They got a stacked roster. Uh, but if there's anybody that's going to fall out of that group, it'll probably be the Chargers because that's <laughs> what the Chargers do. So, yeah, that's a good time to ask that question. Uh, are they for real? Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a rain check on that. Yeah, me too, because we still don't know. We still don't know. <laughs> uh, so now we've made it through the whole season. We know who is for real. Uh, the New England Patriots. And their ridiculous uh, defensive game planning and execution. Uh, some people were not very happy with the Super Bowl, called it boring, among other things. Uh, I'll let you start first, Bobby, as a Patriots fan and somebody who hates low-scoring games. How did you feel about this Super Bowl? No, I felt good that the Patriots win, and I can respect a low-scoring defensive, you know, masterpiece. I can respect what Belichick and Flores did for the Patriots, shutting down the Rams' offense. Absolutely confusing McVay, and you got to respect what Wade Phillips did, especially after the Patriots offense rolled through the uh, postseason. But at the end of the day, man, the people who enjoy a 13-3 game are the same people who go to the, like baseball park and fill out their own scorecards, and it's like one nothing, and they're like, oh, man, this was a, a great way to spend five hours of my life. Like, no, like it was, it was, it was boring. It reminded me a lot of that Panthers-Broncos game with uh, Manning getting his participation award. Tom Brady kind of got like a sixth ring. That's like, if there's going to be a ring that has an asterisk, it's probably going to be this one because he didn't really do much. Like the defense got him this championship. It is true. Uh, One of the things, and we'll get to that in a little bit as we start talking about the conversation that people have to go to, is Brady the GOAT, and that conversation has kind of transformed recently. Uh, But when you look at the, you know, six Super Bowl rings and nine chances, it could easily have been, one Super Bowl that he won like this is the only one that they definitively won without it be one play that could have changed it and sent it the other way he could have anywhere between one and nine Super Bowls and you know six is a pretty good number that's a, that's a good place to land uh but this is a, it was very strange that this one uh particularly with kind of how the narrative was building up with the finish to the Chiefs game in the AFC championship uh it is crazy that this game was just completely defense Tom Brady could have been replaced with any other uh, quarterback because it was the the defense and that game plan that got the job done. Yeah, the for how the NFL season went with so many points, so much scoring, so excitement, this Super Bowl is kind of like letting the balloon go in the little, whoo, it was kind of just like a, a flat way to the end of the season. But I do respect the pettiness of the New Orleans Saints, <laughs> who not only had their, uh, like, uh, like riots or march or parade to protest the Super Bowl, whatever you want to call, call it. And then one of the New Orleans newspapers, their front page headline for their newspaper was, what's Super Bowl? And it was just a blank page. So you got to respect the pettiness of them. They're like, hey, guys, you do you. I respect that. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Uh, I, it would have been even better, uh, like, 
pettiness. Maybe that is what happened because there was a very uh, lopsided uh, fan support in this game. So I wonder if all of the Saints fans uh, sold their tickets off to New England fans. Well, I someone brought it up as like ESPN or someone like that. I was just reading it. I think it was like the Friday or Saturday before the game. And 40% of the tickets sold were to, you know, Boston area people. Only 10% were sold to L.A. fans. Yeah, I mean, I guess in fairness, it's really tough with the Rams, who most of their fans wouldn't be from L.A. They'd be from St. Louis yeah. and or whoever is left over. I think still, even back when uh, they were in L.A. the last time before moving out to St. Louis, uh, L.A. was an Raiders town. It was still Raiders town as uh, they're up in Oakland. Uh, so they don't really have... Uh, that fandom so I didn't expect them to have too many people but you would expect a few bandwagoners with this kind of like high-powered offense you have the charisma of Sean McVay and Jared Goff you think you would have got that sort of bandwagoning fandom and they didn't show up for the Super Bowl they, they might have a they might have started to get that bandwagon fans towards the end of the season uh, but they weren't willing to shell out thousands of dollars to go watch them in Atlanta uh, so that was another factor in the game that you know I, I don't know how much that really factors in but it always is a little bit it became a pseudo home game uh, for the Patriots which really helps when you're facing a team that's uh, extremely important for them to be good on offense and to have a lot of communication uh, to take advantage. Uh, harder to have that communication when you have a rabid Patriots fans uh, cheering during the game. and it, it is some type of advantage. I don't know how much it factored in, but it has to factor in a little bit. We're going to look at the Super Bowl prop bets only for a second because it hurts me too much. Bobby getting the win because he picked the right Gatorade. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, hey, that's the saber metrics that you need in life is what color Gatorade <laughs> are you going to bet on? Uh, I really should be the one who wins because my pick for uh, Harder to Breathe uh, being the first song from Rune 5, the, the actual odds for that in Vegas was, uh, God, what was it? It was... Wasn't a hundred to one, but it was high. Like, really? Yeah, it was, it was not very good for that to be the the winner. It's probably more like like thirty to one. But the point is, I was the only one that hit. Most of these are uh, close to even odds. Uh, I I hit the only one that was just like uh, hit, you know finding a needle in a haystack. You're probably the one person who recognized that song when it came on because I was I was the I was just sitting there for. I'm not the somebody. only one who knows that song. That song is the. The first album from Rune 5 is really big. Actually, that was one of the great things to watch on Twitter after this happened is everybody's like just, you know, panning the halftime performance. They were like Maroon 5 truthers that were coming out. It's like, still telling you, Songs of Jane still slaps to this day. I don't care about the, the crappy pop songs they've made recently, but Songs of Jane, I'll still, I'll still back it up. I saw that all over Twitter. It was great. See, I, I wanted the one shitty pop song. I wanted to love somebody, and that was it. Terrible. I mean, your taste in music is awful, Bobby. I mean, what what taste do I have that is good in something? I don't in, know yet. In your opinion, I don't know. Everything you've named has been pretty awful, so that's on you. Hey, I haven't I haven't started Red Dead yet. I'm finishing <laughs> up Resident <laughs> Evil, so but I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it an open mind because you talked it up so well. So we'll see how that works out. Well, I mean, I have everybody on my side that it's one of the best games of all time, and you know, top game of. 2018. So. I, mean, I mean, The Count of Monte Cristo is one of the most exciting books of all time. In the so one. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, but how many people are going to actually sit down and read like the couple thousand pages? I know, but everybody's not running around talking about how good it is. It just, people are talking about how good Red Dead Redemption is, though. I mean, it's a matter of perspective and tastes, is my point. 
eh, I think there's there's always subjectivity, but I think there's a level of objectivity. And if you think uh, what it, well, I don't even know which song you're talking about from Rune Five. What's the what's it called? No, I'm talking about like I'm I'm going off another tangent. No, I know, I know, but right now oh, I'm, love, I'm love somebody, love somebody. I don't even know that one. Yeah, yeah, that's because I th- I'll, while you talk no, to not me. gonna happen. Don't play it. I'm not gonna play because <laughs> the audio is just gonna come out. I'm gonna is it, oh wait, is it love someone or somebody? Now I'm confused. Uh, it was love somebody. I'm just I'm figuring out which year it was to put it in. Pers- it was in Anyways, 2012. I think there's some fairly uh, objective points of view on music that know that uh, any song from Maroon 5's first album is better than whatever that piece of shit you just named is. Wow. I mean, I can't make a hot take on that because I okay. I'm not quite that. So as we keep moving down the list, so that 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 was the the one for me that should have counted as multiple points, but only got one. Uh, how many Pats players will have a catch? Uh, over under seven and a half, I think it was five, which was very weird, very strange how few players, but big game from Edelman, a decent game from Gronk, and then uh, Sony Michelle did more of the heavy lifting. We thought James White, uh, that's actually one of the other ones, is over under seven receptions. Uh, he Oof. was way under, was it one? I believe he only had one. For for whatever reason, besides Edelman, no one could get open in that yeah. passing game for the Patriots. So uh, total first quarter points by the Patriots. Uh, Bobby took the under. Uh First uh, kickoff be a touchback. Bobby said no, and it was not. Corderell Patterson uh, got down the field on that first one. Uh, How many plays will Tony Romo correctly predict? This is actually a funny one. Bobby didn't actually name one on the podcast. Like, I picked uh, the under, and I think he was at the... This is a tough one because it had various selections. I thought I picked the under on this one. No, you actually didn't make a selection for I'm, this i'm gonna go back and listen to i've this. i've went back and listened <laughs> multiple times to try to find it you did not actually pick uh one wow. side or the other uh that's funny because I, I thought i went on this whole tangent about like i want to know how many he got last time and yeah you went on the tangent about like why and we we talked about it for a while about why it was confusing like why it could be like who knows what the number uh. is the Ve- vegas went with six uh that he got right but even as you watch the the game as he's like telling plays like he's not even predicting he's like saying three different things could happen and one of them happens they're like he got it he said it right it's like no that's that's utterly ridiculous i can do that i can tell you what three of the possible plays are so not only did i beat you i beat you without picking one uh yeah but in fairness i also got screwed by the which coach they showed first uh, I, I still believe they technically showed Sean McVay, even if it wasn't a close-up image on the national anthem. So I feel like it should have been a tie, and then we would have gone the long route of who made it to the NBA Conference Championship. And let's be honest, Bobby, I was going to win that one. Yeah, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the fifth on this one. <laughs> so uh, Donald Trump tweets uh, over under at five. He didn't tweet at all. <laughs> uh, and that's actually what I said. That was my prediction. I was like, it's either going to be uh, just this tweet, like spectacle one after another after another or there's a good chance he doesn't tweet at all and sure enough he didn't uh we we were talking originally the the bet was going to be uh will a non-qb score a touchdown but since we were both in agreement that, that probably won't happen then it was will they complete a pass you went with yes i went with no uh then bobby clean sweep down the line to come back and get the victory uh it was just like the the patriots winning the against the falcons two years ago um <laughs> color of gatorade bobby got it with blue which actually that would be another one that has a different uh, line than normal. Uh, not not as good of a line as I could have made money off my harder to breathe prediction. Uh, but that one's tough. Uh, I feel like it's also cheating because bl- there's multiple colors of blue. Uh, you did not name light blue, so 
technically we tied again, and <laughs> we'll, we'll figure this out later. Uh, over under, Bobby took it, and then just flat out who won the game. Bobby won with the Patriots, and he gets six to five on the different prop bets that uh, we were split on. And so I will at some point Venmo Bobby sixty bucks. I appreciate it, good sir. Uh, now I, I, I am going to contest myself not making that pick because. I I don't think I'd be that dumb, but I'm gonna go back and see how dumb I was. And for which one? The Tony Romo one. Okay. Because I like distinctively remember like sneaking it in. Uh, no, you snuck in actually. Uh, total it? first quarter points by the Patriots. Like oh. we we talked for a while, and as I was still talking, you're just like, I'll take the under. And that was, it, yeah, it, I've listened to. I went through the whole podcast to make sure. Like uh, I made sure what the answers were, what we have here, and huh. this is where we're at. Uh, so I don't know why you're fighting as you got the victory. I'm but fi- I'm fighting my own stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was crazy. I really I kept listening. I was like, where where is it? Like I, I thought at some point you would have just said one way. You did not give an answer. Uh, huh. For I guess that's my fault. I'm the host. I should have uh, made sure that you got your picks in on all of those. But Super Bowl prop bets were coming a mile a minute. We just kept going, and even when it was over, th- I really did have to re-listen to all of it. I had no idea when we finished what these were. I didn't write them down. I didn't <laughs> type them in. Uh, just had to go back and uh, do a little hand count. So uh, if you if you want to uh, contest it, f- even though you won, this is like the worst no, I'm Al a- Gore situation I've ever heard of. <laughs> I'm taking myself. I'm taking myself to court. This is uh, like the moment in SpongeBob where uh, Patrick's investigating like who stole the peanuts peanut okay. or whatever it was and he's like it was me the whole time yeah we, we didn't even talk about the spongebob controversy for yeah I, I see you took it off no i didn't take it off it was never on anywhere who yeah, put this well, on here i put it on there on mine i did not take anything off man i now i'm contesting myself yet again okay so but do you want to tell us about spongebob i don't even understand it i, I, I tried to stay, stay out of it i'm gonna go on it real quick because okay. i thought uh i thought i had it on here oh uh, yes did maroon five screw us out of a uh, spongebob halftime show hell yeah they did because not only did they not do Sweet Victory, this is not going to be like a rant because I don't know enough about like whoever it was Travis Scott, right? He was like, uh, he was yeah, that's one of them. He was Travis like, Scott and Big Boy were the two. Okay, yeah, it's Travis Scott. Well, they had Squidward introduce Travis Scott, for, yeah. which is like, it doesn't make sense. And two, Travis Scott, if you're going to do a song on the Super Bowl halftime show, make sure my TV doesn't have to bleep it out every two lyrics or whatever it it's was. It's true. Does it, the, you got you to gotta pick. That's the same reason... Uh, Redhead, who made the Frank uh, Bitch on Frank Mason song for the like that KU fans just love. Uh, he, on the next one, I think he made one for Devonte, and he made sure to not put curse words in it because he wanted it to actually be played at KU games. That's smart. That's a good businessman. Travis Scott coming on to a a show that's in front of forty million people, and we didn't hear half of your performance. Bad idea. You got to have at least one song that's uh, G rated. There's nothing like more off-putting. Just trying to listen to is like he's trying to say something. Like, he's like, "Oh, as I heard," and then like, "Uh," and then like nothing. I'm like, "Yeah, like what are you doing, bro?" Not good. Do you remember back? Okay, you're, I don't know. Yeah, I think you might be too young, but just albums that had like you could get like Eminem and you'd get like the, the unrated version. Yeah, or like whatever. That, if you got stuck with the, the the rated version that had the bleeps, it was awful. And there was actually there was one whole song taken off of. Like you had the Eminem bleep version and the unrated version, and one song had to be completely replaced. That's how bad it was. I think it was like Kill Kim or whatever, and they <laughs> replaced the entire song with like the South Park, which was still awful. It still had a lot of terrible things in it, but it was bleeped, and that's the one that went on there. Good times, good times. But yeah, don't ever go onto a national platform like that with a song that half the words uh, don't make it onto the broadcast. Uh, 
now we're going to actually talk about the game just a little bit. And, you know, you already mentioned you, you were not a big fan. I will say on the other side, and this is purely about the aesthetic because I'm not a, you know, I don't want the Patriots to win necessarily, but there is something beautiful about the way they do it sometimes. And this was Bill Belichick's masterpiece. And you mentioned before we came on the pod, it was actually Brian Flores' masterpiece. But uh, tomato, tomato, I know Bill Belichick has 18 years of proving he's the the smartest person uh, at any point in a football game. So Brian Flores definitely probably learned something from him. But this game was amazing in that the Patriots completely took advantage of all of the Rams' weaknesses. Everything that you kind of saw, like, okay, here's where they're not. Uh, quite perfect when you when you think of what Goff could be. There were games he played out of his mind. There's games he came back down to earth. Uh, he didn't just come back down to earth in this game. They stomped him into the dirt. Uh, you know the Rams tried to just line up and beat them. They didn't even seem to have an alternative plan. They didn't try to make adjustments in the second half. Uh, they just figured. We proved ourselves as uh, a team that can score 30 points every game just because we got stopped in the first half. We can do it in the second half. Couldn't do it. The fact that the Patriots took this offense and beat them down for four straight quarters. Maybe that's a boring football game, but that is beautiful football. Yeah. I think just watching this through a Patriots fan perspective, this game may have shifted the narrative like Brady versus Belichick. I think this Super Bowl with this performance with – how bad this defense looked for most of the season, how bad this team overall looked for most of the season. I think this shifts Belichick to just slightly over Brady for getting, you know, the quote unquote credit for this dynasty, because this was probably the most impressive defensive performance I've seen in a long time. Like I'd prefer it to be that Eagles Patriots Super Bowl just nonstop scoring, but at the same time I can appreciate the defense. I think it was boring, but they schemed it up to perfection. And McVay, for whatever reason, he said, I'm going in with plan A. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. He didn't try to go to plan B. I don't know if it's because, you know, he was stubborn, didn't want to play Todd Gurley, fell in love with CJ and just over the playoffs. What, maybe it was because, you know, Cooper Cup wasn't in the offense, hasn't been the same since then. But at the end of the day, Bill Belichick took a defense that was dead for most of the season. And it absolutely just harassed Jared Goff for four quarters. There was pressure, tight coverage, whatever you want it to be. This Patriots defense probably had the most impressive Super Bowl performance that I've seen. Yeah, and you said that you know maybe the narrative is switched. Uh, Bill Belichick may have getting more of the credit now with how they performed. And I, I guess one of the other things, and you know we we could have a little conversation on this because you know the, we're gonna have to talk about how Brady is not just being talked about as the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, not even greatest football player of all time, greatest athlete of all time, which is always funny because this is, when, when we think of the word athlete, Tom Brady is not that guy, no matter how good he <laughs> is uh, playing the quarterback position, not an athlete, but we know what they mean. Uh, greatest sports performer of all time. Uh, and it's tough because for me, I would just immediately say no. When you're comparing like somebody like Jordan, basketball, one of five players on a team and just the way they impact a game, playing you know 70% of the time because they're playing both sides of the floor as opposed to football where you're only on offense. Uh, I, I don't think you can compare to the two. And we know that it's with the quarterback, it's very important how they're set up. Uh, their success uh, is predicated on how good the coaching is, the offensive line play, the receivers, and then even the defense at stopping those those same units that are on the other team. Uh, I, I think that you can't compare the two. No matter Now, it might be harder to be the greatest 
you know, quarterback of all time because you have, you know, we've seen great players like Peyton Manning who, you know, the the ball bounces the wrong way and you're not going to get those Super Bowls in, in a in sports where we put so much more on winning that as opposed to what you do week in and week out. You have so few opportunities to prove yourself and Tom Brady has done it every single time for 18 years. Uh, maybe you could make that argument where Jordan, but Jordan three and three is just too, too good at a sport where you are the main guy and you do elevate a team so much. So when I look at that, I, I have to think, okay, quarterback isn't as important. And what Bill Belichick has been able to do to make sure all those other pieces around Brady are there. Uh, it is about a 50, 50 split. And this one, it was such a masterful performance. It really does. It's how much their game plan was. Brian Flores is that could, try to take that away but yeah when you look at the whole scope of the season like you're talking about where this isn't the team that you would expect to be the one to get them that sixth ring uh a lot of credit has to go to bill belichick and if it was 50 50 or if brady had a slight edge uh that edge is at least gone and maybe it puts belichick a little bit higher than brady yeah absolutely and if we're talking about the goat athlete i think football and basketball is you can i don't think you can ever truly know apples to apples compare the two because and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because this is going to test my basketball knowledge. Jordan had Pippen and Rodman, right? Pippen, Rodman for the, the second three-peat. Uh, Horace Grant in the first one. Uh, even guys that you wouldn't name wouldn't be household names when you're talking about like a Luke Longley at center and uh, Steve Kerr, who's now you know coaching the Warriors. Uh, there were so many players on the team, not to mention Phil Jackson, who not only won six with Jordan, he won five with Kobe. Yeah, but... So they had stars, but even then, if you take Jordan out of that equation, we saw how bad they were when Jordan retired. And well, they, they made it to the uh, Eastern Conference semis, but they 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 weren't dominant like they no. were of Jordan. I think if you take Brady out of this Patriots system, they don't have six Super Bowls or nine Super Bowl appearances, but I still think they have a couple. If you take Jordan out of that basketball team, I don't I don't think they get any, or they just yeah. get one. Uh yeah, I if we're going championships, yeah, I think that whole narrative changes. If we're talking about just like what level they perform at consistently over these last eighteen years. I guess the question then becomes: if you replace Brady with any of the other top five quarterbacks over this last generation, with a Peyton Manning and a Drew Brees, uh, I guess that's most of the list. Uh, even like a Brett Favre, although the the timeline doesn't quite line up. If you put somebody in that spot, uh, even go up. Big Ben or Philip Rivers, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you put one of those guys there. Uh, wh what changes? Like, are are they just, you know, a great team that keeps making the playoffs every year and and they just aren't as clutch? What what? Because I feel like if you just put Peyton Manning in that role, I, I, I don't know if it's six, but it's right there. It doesn't. I mean, I guess the biggest thing is you have to put that player in that role and give him a blow market salary due to an extremely wealthy wife. So I guess not everybody feeds, uh, meets that criteria. But if you had that, if you get the same salary and a Peyton Manning, I think you're pretty much in the same boat. It's a you know coin flip on which games you lose and which ones you win. Uh, you know it's a butterfly effect, but I I don't think it's that much different. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you have to look at the scope of the whole situation because you're talking about Brady's contract. He had that first couple of years on his rookie deal, and then he just hometown discounted it the whole way. I think if you put someone in like Peyton Manning into Tom Brady's position, I think we're talking, you know, two Super Bowls, three Super Bowls still for Manning. I don't think he ha was as clutch as Brady because 
there is a certain level of luck to Brady's success at this point. And to get to a Super Bowl just about every other year, you have to be a little lucky on your side. I don't think Peyton Manning would make that comeback against the Seahawks. I certainly don't think Peyton Manning makes that comeback against the uh, Falcons. And some of those games that Tom Brady needed against, like the Ravens and those championship games, I don't think Peyton Manning could do that. But even if you put someone in Brady's spot, they're getting two, three Super Bowls, even if it's, you know, Phillip Rivers, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't go as far as to say Eli Manning could do it, but then again, he got two Super Bowls in New York. Yeah, and I I guess the main thing is I, I it's hard to figure out how much of it is clutch, but I mean if if you're locked in at that same cheap rate uh on the on the contract side, from there in terms of performance, there's a lot of guys who could have performed close to his level and with all the other pieces around them, uh at the very least would have been uh contenders they would have been right there in the thick of things think of all the guys who we don't like we don't talk about philip rivers in that category simply because brady was there to beat them down (laughs) each time uh peyton manning part of the reason he's limited you know if peyton manning's won two and three uh times right or four times he went four two out of four so so he goes four times two of four and that's without all of the structure around him. At no point did he ever have a coach that was on the level of Bill Belichick. And we can make arguments all day, you know, that there was a really good uh, Denver defense. Uh, but that's right at the moment is like his arm is giving out, you know. Uh, otherwise, he didn't really have that many good defenses throughout most of his career. Definitely didn't have uh, defenses that, you know, the coach got them. Maybe they're bad early in the season, but got them playing at an elite level. Like we just saw a Patriots defense that wasn't very good. And by the end of the season, they were shutting everybody down. Uh, that That is something that Peyton Manning went without. And if he got two, of, he got two without that, what could he have got with that? Yeah. And uh, not going off on a whole tangent, but to be fair for Brady's contract, the Patriots really never gave him anything with that. They never really, outside of Raw. Moss and Welker, excuse me, they really never get, went out and got a big-time wide receiver and free agent. They never really even got a big-time defensive guy outside of, you know, like they picked up Darrell Revis out yeah. of Tampa, then they got Gilmore. But besides that, they, they've they kind of wasted, in a sense, quote-unquote wasted, in a sense, all that cheap money Brady's given. But all, all that times they went and got those guys, you talk about Moss and you talk about Revis, that's all through the years that they couldn't put it together to actually go win. Yeah, they you know, 08, you get the... Uh, you know, undefeated season that gets stopped by the Giants, and you go to you know, uh, you know, 2012, and uh, once again uh, thwarted. But those years in between, that's when they spent the money, and it didn't work. They, I think, they started to realize it's much better to you know get extra talent, pay more players, play, to make sure you have a very deep roster and guys with a lot of varied skill sets, so you can play the style that Bill Belichick has you know put in this year, where they can. Basically, they're chameleons. They just turn into whatever they need to be, whatever scheme they need to run. They will do that on a dime in whatever situation to come up with a victory. And we saw that in this game. So the the big time players, maybe they didn't go and get them the the right players. They they knew Tom Brady really didn't matter whether he was throwing to to Randy Moss or throwing to the same three white guys that we can't tell the difference who's who. You need those other players. They built that, and man, it, there's no better just picture-perfect look at how well that's worked than what they did in this game because that defense they ran against the Rams, they hadn't run that at any point in this year. That's not what they were doing to slow down the Chiefs. Like They came in with a 6-1 front and started playing zone coverage despite playing man all year. 
Like the the way they found a way to get to the quarterback, they they'd been getting to you know Mahomes for a half. Uh, they got to Philip Rivers the entire game uh, against the Chargers the week before that. Uh, but the way they got to this Ram, this is a good Rams offensive line. This should, they looked like an inept crew throughout this entire game for four quarters. And the way they put it together, guys that you know you talked about early. Oh, I don't know Dante Hightower. He's 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 good, but he's not great. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, who the hell is that? Like uh, I I don't know how much Trey Flowers is going to be that good enough to be a top defensive end. Well, he didn't need to be a top defensive end. They played team defense. It wasn't just Trey Flowers. It was all these guys along the line throwing Patrick Chung up there as one of the the ends in this six one front and. It worked perfectly. They didn't need superstars because they had all the right pieces that could to come in with this game plan, and that's why you know people could say it's boring. But God, if if you look at the X's and O's of what was going on, uh, you couldn't have called a game better than this. And I I just want to I want to give Bill Belichick props for that Kyle Van Noy trade because that probably has to be his outside of maybe the Moss and Welker trade, which I consider just like one trade. Basically, it would happen at the same time. Outside of that, I think that was his best trade ever. They basically got gave up absolutely nothing. They gave up a very, very late round pick for a starting linebacker who has just absolutely morphed into like the perfect defender for this defense. He was a stud in the Super Bowl. And if you if you told anyone when he was playing in Detroit, this guy could potentially be like the defensive MVP of the Super Bowl, you would have called him crazy because he did absolutely nothing in Detroit. And he fits this defense perfectly because, like to your point, Bill Belichick sees the players. Instead of trying to fit them into a scheme, he schemes around them and what they do well. Yeah, and I mean, it worked perfect. Uh, one more uh, X's and O point uh, before we go on to a couple more things. Uh they, they were calling two plays to the defense in this game, which is also just perfectly worked on the Rams' weaknesses. Uh, because you remember last week we were talking about Romo's Nostradamus abilities kind of being, like, overblown? Yeah. You know, and the, the idea was he could tell you what the offense was going to do, but that doesn't change the fact the Chiefs' defense could have seen that. But if they, you know, react to it and they change their scheme, then the offense would just call the audible, right? Yeah. Well, we saw the opposite of that work with the Patriots. They literally would line up with the scheme that the Rams would react to. The Rams would be like, "All right, we're gonna audible out. This is a, we see man, we're gonna go to zone. You know, we're gonna we're gonna switch up the play call that we have." And because they sent in the two plays, the moment that Jared Goff does that, Patrick Chung calls out to everybody else. He switches to the other play call, and Jared Goff. He's he's not Tom Brady. We we can get in that conversation a little bit where Jared Goff ranks in terms of what what's his ceiling, what we expect from him in the future. But we know that today, right now, he's not able to read these defenses and react and to you know anticipate timing. And so when he looked up every time he'd come out of a play action, which is usually the bread and butter, and he'd look up the field and be like, I have no idea what I'm staring at right now because it's not what I saw in the pre-snap read. Uh, that is crazy that they could do that and it could actually work like to expect to have each play uh, to have the perfect scheme for both options that the the other team could do to be able to communicate that and to get it to everybody for everybody on the defense to know to switch to the other play and to get in position to pull it off. And they did it. It's one thing that they did it for like a half. They did it for four quarters, like the straight up. This is the, the craziest like to to see how not just how good we know how good Bill Belichick is at calling plays. Uh, we we know that he always has his team ready. Uh, to to just try to take advantage of the opposing team's weaknesses. But in this case, against a team that scored thirty plus points all season, like 
God, that that was once again. I don't care if you call it boring. Maybe I am the guy sitting at the baseball game, writing down my own stats and loving this pitching duel. Uh, this was a great fucking pitching duel. <laughs> yeah, you are a little bit of a pitching pitching duel to guy. I could tell, but uh, yeah, Jared Goff's a great quarterback until uh, 15 seconds on the play clock hits because then after that he can't get his Sean McVay talking to him. Well, they did even more this time. They did what like in the second half they were waiting till we they got to the point where Sean McVay couldn't talk to him because they'd have the play, we're calling it, but we don't want the Patriots to be able to switch. But once again, didn't make sense because in this case, the Patriots were calling two plays in the huddle. It wasn't a communication issue at the end. Uh, so they tried to do that, and all that did was waste clock. Like, they couldn't get it to work because that's not actually how the Patriots were, uh, you know, counteracting your game plan. And they're just running down to 15 seconds. Jared Goff can't get the communication from Sean McVay. And they're not really stopping the Patriots from what they're doing. And you're wasting time. So those options, those chances down the field when, uh, you know, Cooks, it always was Cooks, dropping the ball in key situations. Those are like those one moments were that much bigger because when you didn't pull it off then, you were having less chances based on what you were doing. You were you were wasting the play clock yourself, which is uh, just just crazy that that happened and that it really didn't do anything for the Rams. Uh, they they the, I guess that would have been the one change up Sean McVay did make, and it was uh, futile because it didn't actually affect what the Patriots were doing in the slightest. Yeah, I was waiting for Cooks to rip off his Rams jersey and uh, reveal just like a, to- <laughs> a Tom Brady face on a T-shirt, and the- they should just send him that ring. <laughs> mine is mine as well. I mean. Might as well send Goff and McVay a ring, too. Like, hey, good job. You guys did it. Thank you. All right. So, uh, real quick, uh, which one do you want to go with first? you want to go biggest play of the game, or do you want to go with uh, the order of operations on who's at fault for the Rams' terrible effort? Uh, we can go biggest play because I think this should be pretty quick because there was about, like, one and a half <laughs> big plays in this game. And we'll still find a way to pick a different play. Bobby, what do you got? I'm going with the uh, Gilmore pick. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah. I was, uh, tell me. Tell I, me about it. I was going to go to that uh, pass to Gronk down the left sideline, but at the end of the day, the Rams are driving. Even if it was an absolute duck thrown up by Goff, it, once again, it was the Patriots outsmarting them. Goff must have thought it was man. It turned out to be zone. And He also thought it was blitz, and it was zero. Like, it was nothing. He, yeah. just, he just lost his mind, and, uh, yeah, he – the, the moment was a little, not a little too big. It is very, very big for Jared Goff and McVay, and they were just not. They were very young, very bright. They got talent. It just wasn't their moment right now. Give them a few more years, but yeah, Goff was seeing ghosts, phantoms. You know, his mom was yelling yeah. at him on the sideline. Whatever, whatever. I mean, it's not like they were just phantoms. They were in the backfield in his face for most of the game. So a few times he was just anticipating it. It wasn't there, but uh, he thought it was there because they were knocking the crap out of him throughout that game. Uh, I I agree with you in terms of that. That was you know that's the end of the game. That finishes it. That puts the uh, the stamp on it. Uh, but I'm gonna say it happened even before that. Actually, it happened a quarter before that. Under four minutes in the third. Uh, Rams first and 10 from the 20 yard yard line and Cooks runs that post and he's wide open in the back of the end zone and Jared Goff hesitates I don't know why this is a, this is the one moment where we talk about him not anticipating you didn't even need anticipation you saw him break open and he did like a double pump before he threw it and there was so so much ground that Jason McCourty had yeah, to, to make up 20 yards roughly and sure enough he got there just in time 
broke up the pass, and if that one's a touchdown, if that's 7-3 right there in that point in the game, and now not only do the Patriots have to actually start, all right, we need to get down the field and score. We can't just hold on to this. And the Rams can be like, all right, we had a big play down the field. Now that can open up the run game. Maybe they get going. Maybe that fourth quarter looks a lot different. But it just seemed like from that moment on, the Rams were done. There wasn't anything else. Even when they got down the field on that last drive, they just just looked like they didn't believe they were going to score a touchdown. Yeah, and we there was a couple other big uh, defensive plays for the Patriots or almost big plays uh, when the Rams were backed up. I think it was the first quarter, and John Simon tipped that pass. If yeah. that pass isn't tipped, that's a pick six. Then you have the high tower dropped pass. So for however bad Goff looked, man, it could have looked a lot worse for him. Yeah, and so that that's another thing we can uh, talk about right now. Uh, I thought I was going to put this down on the list as its own separate category. Maybe I, my plan was to not be that mean uh, to Jared Goff. Who do you blame? Uh, what do you have order of the people that are most at fault for uh, how the Rams? If you don't have one, that's fine. I, I have a list over here. <laughs> no, I can throw out a couple because I think at the end of the day, the blame should most go to Sean McVay because this is supposed to be a guy who could scheme up his offense perfectly, you know, Utilize Goff to perfection. Utilize Gurley. Use utilize Anderson Woods. All these players, but they basically said, "Hey, we're gonna do Plan A. I don't have a Plan B. If Plan A doesn't work, oh well, we're just gonna stick with the whole game." We all know uh, Goff has his limitations. He has the talent, but we kind of had this understanding that Goff looks so good in the regular season because McVeigh's offense let him look that good. And whatever for whatever reason, McVeigh, you know just went to the well one too many times. Belichick saw it on tape. McVay just thought he was going to outsmart him with the same old stuff. Wasn't going to happen. Then two, you're going to have, well, also it's McVay because he didn't play Todd Gurley. I'll, I'll, I'll not, I don't want to knock him too much for that because you have to think Gurley's hurt. Like you just have to assume Gurley's hurt. You don't, he was the, the fastest man on the field. According to the, uh, the numbers, he was like, 19.6 miles per hour like so at the very end his top speed is there I don't know if it's like cutting I don't know what the hell is going on what it is about his knee that is problematic but he keeps saying he's healthy uh at this point the the old, figuring out where Todd Gurley is on this list is based on whether I believe him about if he's healthy or not yeah I mean NFL players are also that person who could be like he could have be in a boot he'd be like yeah I'm healthy guys no problem I could have had 30 carries but I got Gotha, too, like I was just saying. Had a terrible game, looked scared the whole game, saw Phantoms on that pick to Gilmore, and the moment was just too big for him. I'm, I'm not going to put him at number one just because he's a young player. And then three, I got, like, Gurley slash the offensive line because they were just terrible. I'm not going to put any blame on this defense because they played a beautiful game. And I'm not really sure how much, like, like you said, I'm not sure how much I want to blame Gurley for this because if he was hurt, he was hurt. If he wasn't, I'd be up basically up McVay's ass that whole game <laughs> saying, put me in, dude. Like, I'm the best player on either team on offense. Why am I not getting touches? Yeah, I, I got a pretty similar list. McVay, number one, kept running uh, 11 personnel, despite the fact that 12 personnel was a better matchup for what the Patriots were doing. That 6-1 front just kept giving the offensive line trouble, and they were just getting murdered, uh, bringing an extra guy to block and also 12 personnel was more effective. When they did run it, it was more effective against this Patriots team. So they should have kept going to that. And then also never spreading out the receivers. Like 
once again, don't know how hurt Todd Gurley is, but if he is healthy, like you're telling us, then why in the hell did you not spread out the receivers to get Gurley one-on-one with the linebacker out, out there in the flat? Never did that throughout the game. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't even know. I don't know if he, he was limited in what he could do because of Gurley's health, uh, but you got to at least try it. You got to get him out there and, you know, try to, if you're going to have him on the field at all, it wasn't like he didn't play at all, but not enough and you didn't get him in the right situations. Second, I'm going to go the offensive line before Goff. Uh, one, because they're also at fault for whatever lack of production by Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Uh, they weren't very good in the run game, and then they were terrible in, in terms of pass block. Uh, they were constantly just out of position and then never really seemed to adjust. Can blame that a little bit on Sean McVay, but the offensive line has to figure out what they're doing. There were a lot of uh, exotic stunt uh, you know, different blitz packages coming uh, from the defense. Uh, but at some point, you have to figure it out. Once again, this wasn't a half of football. This wasn't a time frame where the Patriots got the advantage. This was the entire game, four quarters. You can't go the entire game without figuring it out. Uh, so I think that falls on. And a lot. Of, it's hard to figure out how much is Goss' fault because maybe he wasn't executing when he needed to, but often the play was over before it ever came down to Goff figuring it out. He just had no time back there for most of the game. Then it does go to Goff uh, when the offensive line did hold up. Uh, he never took advantage. He can't really read his own defense right now. That's something we kind of knew, but I don't think we knew to this level. And maybe it was just how good uh, it was schemed. But they the, the fact that there were open passes, there were people to get it to, and Goff just never really took off his first read and never really found the guys and, all, and just can't anticipate too many times where they're open for a second, but he didn't know they were going to be open. And then by the time he threw it, the pass was no longer there. So Goff has to be right there. Gurley's lower down the list because I don't know why he can't go right now, but he can't really go, and they didn't give him too many opportunities uh, to get going. Uh, if there was an above-average running back performance in this game, I think the Rams are in contention late. And not contention like, don't throw that interception and maybe you can you know get back into this. But I mean, like literally could have been in this game and... Gurley wasn't playing if he's healthy and he's not playing 100% that's scary for the long term what Gurley's going to do in the future uh CJ Anderson can't really get mad at a guy that you pulled off the scrap heap and gave you you know 100 yard games down the stretch to to get you into this position uh, but he didn't have a good performance either and you know Gurley's right there number man I always screw this up the longer I think about it Cooks <laughs> is the last one he probably should be a little ahead of Gurley even Two big opportunities, and these these aren't like phantom drops. Uh, these defense was played, uh, but big time moments, big time players make those plays, and he didn't get those. If they get one of them, they get one. This is an actual game down the stretch, and instead, uh, Patriots just walk away with it. Uh, so next up, I think we got through most of the stuff. Do do we want to do the Julian Edelman conversation? I mean, it's a pretty quick conversation. I, I hope around the same page. Is Julian as... Edelman a Hall of Famer? Fuck no. Is does he re- deserve to receive consideration? Fuck no. Okay, cool. You seem to have been more ambivalent when you were talking on Twitter uh, well, uh, that night because uh, I understand where they're coming from with like the conversation. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Because you look at the past couple of Super Bowls, he has the MVP. You know, the Falcons game, he has that iconic catch. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, he has a game-winning touchdown. In terms of playoffs, like, yeah, dude, this guy's clutch. But at the end of the day, you had playoff Amendola doing just as well as he did. He has very pedestrian numbers in the regular season. 
he doesn't have the yardage. If Isaac Bruce isn't in the Hall of Fame, yeah, Julian Edelman has no business being in the conversation. So I could see as like a Patriots fan and maybe a Julian Edelman fan why you're thinking about it. But if you actually think about it, he has zero shot at being a Hall of Famer right now. Yeah, unless we had completely changed the criteria for the Hall of Fame. It's not about... Like, imagine a guy... Now, obviously, regular season, postseason, these are different things. But imagine a guy in the regular season who has like... Uh, a six-year spurt where he's just really, really good, and then he falls off a cliff. We don't talk about why that guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, this is sort of what we're seeing with Julian Edelman, but even for a smaller sample size, maybe it's a more important sample size, but it's still smaller. What he's done in the postseason doesn't change the fact that it's not just pedestrian numbers. Like He doesn't even have the career of like a pretty good wide receiver. <laughs> forget Hall of Fame. And so unless we're changing in, we're just like, we want guys in who, you know, have made big moments in the postseason, done this or done that. No, it's about a career. And in terms of his career, he doesn't even get close. I, the fact that we're having this conversation, we've already wasted too much time talking about something that's not even close. Uh, that That's it, I think, for the, the Super Bowl. But, you know, just because the NFL season's over doesn't mean we don't stop talking about it. Uh, already got early Super Bowl favorites on the top of the list, the Kansas City Chiefs at 6-1 to one with the New England, uh, the Rams, and the Saints at 8-1 to one right behind them. Uh, should the Chiefs be the favorite at 6-1? to one? I feel like 6-1 to one's kind of... Was a, would it be a lower high? Because I feel like the Super Bowl favorite at the end of the season is always like four to one. Well, yeah, in this case, uh, it, when you have three teams that are right there as the the second with uh, equal opportunity, and one of them being the New England Patriots, which should just always be the favorites until something happens. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, that's probably why they're six to one instead of a four to one. But it's not so much. I forget the six to one. Should they be the favorites right now? Well, I I brought up the four to one to six to one because I think these odds are perfectly laid out. You see New England, Rams, Saints, all eight to one, Chiefs six to one. Every single one of these teams, like you don't know what they're gonna look like next year. Obviously the Chiefs have Mahomes. You don't know if they're gonna fix their defense. I'm not gonna try to like go off on a huge rant, but the Patriots, eight to one makes sense. You know, Gronkowski's probably gone, the McCordys are probably gone. They're probably not gonna Wow, they're not I'm trying to talk too fast. They're not gonna pay flowers, excuse me. You have the Rams, all those free agents coming up, rumblings that Gurley might be on the move, and then the Saints. Drew Brees didn't look the same the last month or so, whatever it may be. So it's kind of the Chiefs by default because they have the youngest quarterback. They're bringing back everyone on offense. Surely there's zero chance that defense is going to be as bad as it was this year. So, yeah, the Chiefs are the favorite. They should be the favorite. But, you know, they should put, like, the Patriots as their own little side bet. All right. Yeah, and... I don't I don't know how I don't have much in terms of uh who should be the the favorite and I mean if I'm just looking at the fact that the Chiefs were that close uh and that defense is horrible then yeah I could see that plus it's something it's not about who's the most likely to win it's who's the most likely to get money put on them and Chiefs are just a really good people want to jump on that Patrick Mahomes bandwagon so it makes sense uh I'm not worried about it uh, the idea that we'd even know right now, as much as we we've, we've seen from these teams, it is about what happens to the Patriots players in the offseason. Who do they keep? Who do they get rid of? Uh, it's about the draft. Uh, so much will go into it. So if we're talking about favorites as we get to you know June or July, call me. We'll talk about it. Uh, don't really care what the hell they put on February fifth. Uh, next up, Nick Foles ended up. Getting what was it like the franchise tag, and then he, he bought, did the buyout. They picked up the twenty million dollar option. He bought out for two years, 
The rumor is they're going to try to shop them first and then tag them if they find someone, and the tag will be $29 million. Okay. So uh, that should be interesting. Where do you think he will end up? See, this is what's going to happen. I'm still going for the memes of Nick Foles, so <laughs> this is what's going to happen. They're going to trade Carson Wentz to the Washington Redskins. It's never, it's never going to happen, but for the memes, for the memes. If the Redskins had anybody to trade, maybe this would be a possibility. They, see, the Redskins would just RG3 them, themselves again, once again in this situation, and give up like 90 first-round picks. Right. And then and then the Patriots are going to trade Tom Brady to the Jags and then trade for Nick Foles. I was thinking okay. something a little more simple, like, uh, you know, I, I get, I'm hearing a lot of Giants talk all of a sudden, which is very interesting because uh, – Eli Manning had the finish of the season that we predicted all year, which was he's going to suck, 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 do good enough. That they're like, maybe we should bring him back again. Uh, now the idea that the, the ball's rolling, that they may actually make a move and try to bring in Nick Foles, very interesting, not something I thought they would do. Uh, the other one is uh, Nick Foles to the Jaguars. The Jaguars. Yeah, so, that's probably that makes the most sense. Yeah, it makes the most sense. I forget the, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles last year is now the – uh, I think the offensive coordinator for the yes. or did he get? I wanna I wanna say it was D Filippo. Yeah, uh, Joe Joe Filippo. John D Filippo. John D Filippo. Joe D Filippo. So either D, we're <laughs> something Filippo is we're, now. We're exposing <laughs> our knowledge. Uh, names are hard, man. So the point is, uh, that that seems like a possibility. It seems like somebody that could kind of fit in and quickly get them uh, the the quarterback play that they need if he can keep the Foles magic up. Uh, and then I don't really know the other places. Talk of Washington, depending on how Alex Smith recovers from well, uh, his injury. There was rumblings. I think it was just like people predicting, but the prediction is that uh, the Redskins will trade for uh, Flacco. And, wow. and it is John DiFilippo. I thought it was stupid for the Redskins to try to trade for Carson Wentz to give everything up. The <laughs> Joe Flacco move is worse. Uh, next up, Antonio Brown. Uh, some more off-the-field issues. We just had the report out that uh, he had had a domestic incident with his wife. The story is that she was in the doorway of his house down in Hollywood, Florida. He pushed her out. She fell down, uh, called the cops, but by the time it was over, did not file the police report. Uh, and, I mean, I'm not even going to get into how much is accurate and you know what's okay, whether she was trespassing, this or that or the other. Uh, but the main thing is this is the third off-the-field incident over the course of the last year. Uh, even a... Do we count off the field if he chooses not to play on the field for a game? Which wh where does that count? The point are is, you, are you talking about the uh, Big Ben incidents? Well, the Antonio Brown not playing in the the Cincy game at the end of the year. Yeah, we we count that out as an issue. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say on the. I'm saying arguing with Big Ben is on the field, but if you choose not to play, I think that kind of moves into off the field because you chose not to be on the field it's it's late in the podcast we're not going into like a 60 minute discussion we, we could but just we, about that is the, the main conversation is is he worth the hassle and uh i was gonna ask you you don't want to go in long discussion so we won't talk about uh why it's always wide receivers that are these type of prima donnas oh, we, but instead we'll go with is he worth the hassle and what team is he worth the hassle for? We can get a discussion about this. I don't want us debating on if it's on the field or off the field because somehow we'll figure out a way to make that like 15 minutes. But uh, no, at this point, he's not worth the hassle. And it's not worth the hassle for anybody. 
it's not worth the hassle for the Steelers okay. because I think they're getting tired of it. You have Big Ben, you know, he he chirps too much through the media. They had a deal with Le'Veon Bell. For whatever reason, they made transaction tag because, you know, hey, I respect that level of petty and just, like, assholeness. But at the end of the day, that's just another headache they're going to have to deal with. Antonio Brown wants out. He's made it clear he wants out. Steelers owner says he's not going to come back, most likely. And you're going to have to purge this, you know, locker room of the uh, – I don't, I don't want to call him a cancer because there's been a lot of worse teammates, but it's just constant headaches and drama coming out of Pittsburgh. I think the problem is I don't know if getting rid of Antonio Brown solves it. It seems like no, you're going to have to move Bell and Roethlisberger too. Yeah, this is kind of just their entire identity at this point. And so if you try to reload and get rid of each person who's causing that, uh, you just have to completely reboot the oh, entire team. I, I think their best move is – you know, it's not this year, but you're going to have to get rid of Roethlisberger. This year, you should move, get rid of Bell and Brown. Trade Big Ben to the Jaguars and go get Nick Foles. Bada Boom. bing, bada boom. Boom. Found it. Fire Mike. Hottest Tom- take. Fire Mike Tomlin because he's the AFC's version of Jason Garrett. Hotter yeah. take. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's all we have. Uh, Bobby ends it by saying get rid of Mike Tomlin. I mean, I think the hotter take is that is he's just as useless as Jason Garrett is. But uh, yeah, we can we can end it on that if you'd like. Just just a random cut to nothingness. Yeah, that's all. That's all we're here for. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about uh, as we're done? This is the end of the NFL season. I don't know when we'll come back. If we'll try to come back for draft coverage, probably. But oh, we're not gonna do a weekly show on the American. Hell Ol- no. <laughs> but they got Trent Richardson. Hell no. Okay, fair enough. All right, so that's it. Nothing else? Yeah, you better see glass. Uh, I won't, and maybe I'll see it by the time we get to uh, the the draft coverage shows. And I'll still be pissed off about it. So that's it. That's uh, that's all we have. Maybe Bobby can convince me to come back, and we can finally have that Alex Smith podcast he's been promising you guys. But let's we, be honest. We've been promising that. Don't I have put not. don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. That's all on you, Bobby. We can go back through the tapes. Ricky. Uh, we can go back. You're the one who brought it up every week. I, I did. Okay. So that's it. That's all. That's all we have for this episode of the NFL show on the Tell Me More podcast. You can find us uh this Saturday. I probably should have wrote this down on ESPN eight ten. 810, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll be on uh, Radioactive Sports with Justin Pemberton getting our last little take in there. Uh, so that, that will be the last time you'll get to hear from us. But that's it, and we are out. <laughs> <laughs>